Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today we are very blessed to have the lovely and talented Deanne Barrett as our guest. Thank you for joining us, Deanne. Hi, it's my pleasure. So Deanne, tell us, what is your business? What has you passionate? So I am passionate about helping high-achieving, powerful moms to understand their children, especially their teenagers. And that's that's a handful as a, as a high-powered mom with two teenagers. Mm-hmm. What I find is, so I have a background in teaching. I taught high school students for a very long time, and people would tell me, Deanne, you're so brave to work with teenagers because aren't they horrible? And when I got to know and love teenagers, I realized, well, yes and no. They also are incredibly creative in their thinking, don't want to put up with BS, don't want to have to live with the discrepancy between you say one thing, but you do something else. And what I've realized is that often for those of us who are these high powered women who can manage a lot of things and are great at our work, sometimes the rules we have for our life in terms of the timeline and setting goals and doing it a certain way works so well for our lives, but just doesn't work for our children. And so what I do is bridge the gap in helping moms to really start to see their children and what they need and be able to give it to them. And sometimes it's that whole piece of learning to let go of some things that we thought were super important because we realize actually there's something else that's at work here instead of us holding on to controlling it all. Having two very different teenagers makes it challenging as well. Yes. Yeah, we don't parent each of our children in the same way because they need different things from us. Well, and and we can't parent them the same way, but so many so many parents try and then they wonder why it doesn't work. Mhm. Or we get to the stage where we have well, like one good child and one bad child and as much as we know that's a problem to think that way, we still do and then we feel guilty about it. So it creates this, you know, cauldron of um, feelings that are really uncomfortable for everyone. Well, your your skills and services are very, very much needed. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, having worked with teens for such a long time, I can see that it's our young people who are going to come up with solutions to some of the problems we have now. So the more they feel capable and strong and resilient and valued and able to receive guidance, 
the more they have that capacity, the more we'll be able to solve the problems that the world has by working together with older generations and younger generations to create the world that we need to live in. Yeah, it's it's all about the collaboration and the, and the young people have always been the ones that stir the pot and go, I want to figure out ways to fix this. And then then it's just getting it done. Absolutely. Even Aristotle wrote this great piece about the young people are so lazy and unmotivated. And so if we know that this actually is not a new lament that we have about young people, but that there's something there we can pay attention to and something we can live through knowing it's just one season in our lives um, is really powerful because it makes it uh, less personal. We realize, oh, gosh, this is this is one season of life. And how do we walk through that gracefully and staying connected to the children that we love? And what is your family situation, Deanne? So my husband and I have been married for 10 years and we have two kids. They are eight and six. So it's an interesting process of backwards by design, having worked with teens for so long. Now at every stage my kids are at, I think, how do I make the most of this stage with them while they love me and want to hold my hands and want to listen to what I have to say? What do I want them to know now so that I've set a foundation so that when they're older and they want to do it their way, we're all ready for that? Yes, very, very much when, when they're at that stage. Yes, you are still the most awesome thing and they want the hugs and the cuddles and the hand holding. And then, and then they get to teenagers and they're still, they can still be wonderful, but they don't get the hugs and the cuddles anywhere near as much as you used to. That's right. I worked with one very smart woman who had teenagers and she also volunteered to cuddle babies when a mother would have multiples, you know, twins mm. or triplets. She would volunteer and go cuddle them. And I thought that is so smart because she knew she was missing little baby cuddles in her life. Oh, those those are the best. Little baby cuddles are the ultimate, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. So with dealing with like your your kids and, and the things that you've been seeing with teenagers and stuff, um, what are some of the questions in that that you're coming across when kids are talking about money or wanting to talk about money? Oh, yeah. I was just talking with a friend of mine and we both have, well, my daughter's six and her son is seven. And so she was like, are your kids going through a stage where they're like hoarding money and they want to like count it and they want to know all about it? And I think that's a really interesting stage because they realize that there's this transactional thing that we do with money, like things cost stuff and they have to figure out like they have no idea of what the cost of things are. And it was funny. A couple of weeks ago, my daughter said to me, mom, other kids get paid for doing jobs around the house. How come you're not paying us? And she she felt like she was really getting a raw deal here. Like other kids get money. I'm getting nothing. Yeah, I just get told to do it. Right. And I have to do it. And I, so I had to make visible what had been invisible to her. And that was that we did have a system in place. I said, it's right. You're right. You don't get an allowance or money for doing chores. But what you do get is, you remember in the summer, we took you for mini golf and we bought you ice cream. And sometimes we buy you candy as a treat and all those things. You know, we have that system where you do chores around the house and then we buy you those treats. I said, or we could switch to a different system where we don't pay for the mini golf or the ice cream or the candy. And instead we give you an allowance and then you use your allowance to pay for that stuff. 
I said, which which system would you like? She's like, no, let's keep it as it is. <laughs> oh, she realized pretty quickly that mom was probably spending more than mom would be giving and she'd have to spend. That's right. And for a six-year-old, I thought that is a very wise decision. You're right. I am spending more on you than I would give you in an allowance. So let's just keep it there. <laughs> but it was this interesting moment because she felt like I'm not getting something I should get. And instead, when I could make the system clear that actually we did have a system in place and that's how it operated, all of a sudden that question of allowance faded into the background. <laughs> and, and what about with your other child? Oh, he just recently got his first job. Oh, what's he doing? So he's going to, sh he's shoveling the driveway of our neighbor across the street because they went away on a holiday. Yep. And, and we're in Calgary, so that snow could show up any time. There's been a lot of snow. He's shoveled three times. And he's so diligent because he'll get up and look out the window like, do I need to go over there? Has it snowed today? Like, he really wants to do a good job. And so he, um, it started with, he loves to shovel. And on some really snowy days, like two years ago when he was probably six, he's like, our neighbors haven't shoveled yet. I'm going to do it for them. And that was such a wonderful, like, he's just that kind of kid where he wants to serve other people. And he did it. And they came over later and gave him a little Kinder Egg, you know, a little chocolate with a toy inside. And he was thrilled. And that was like, I did something good and I got a reward for it. And so that was the first. And so he would shovel more. And, you know, he shoveled for them uh, other times. And then they realized he does a good job. So we, you know, he's an eight year old, but we can hire him because we know he'll do a great job. And so what a great model of like just showing how well, you can do something and then people will want to pay you for it. Well, yeah. And, and he he picked something, like you said, he's serving and he picked something that he likes doing. And now he talks about when he's older, he's going to be a landscaper. He likes to shovel snow and he likes to pick up the leaves. And so that's pretty impressive for an eight year old. I mean, lots of time will happen between now and then. And there's no expectation that he's deciding his career right now, but that he's even thinking of in the future. What could I do that I enjoy that I could also make money at? Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about working with kids is they have an inherent entrepreneurial sense about them because like he couldn't go out and actually be hired to do the job but he can totally completely set up his own little business and hire himself out that's right and 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 what does your daughter think of his his little enterprise that he's got going on and he he's making his own money well I was surprised that she took it so calmly because usually it's like hey wait I want an opportunity too and I want to make some money and she hasn't we haven't heard that from her yet, but I think she also knows she doesn't like that work so much. So she's happy to not have to do it. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea of going out in the cold and shoveling snow just doesn't turn her crank. Yeah. She'll do it if she wants to do it, but like not every day or anything. Mm -hmm. So is there, is there anything like has, has she started maybe expressing an interest or asking questions about different little businesses or anything that she could start with her interests or she's just not there yet. Not yet. But one thing they do is she keeps on top of her dad because he told them every month we have a, a piggy bank where it's three sections, okay. save, spend, and give. Okay. I was trying to think of what the third one was. And so when they have, Every month, my husband will count with them what they have in their savings, and he will pay them interest on their savings. Oh, dad even pays interest. Yes. 
I, I haven't heard of a parent doing that. That's kind of cool. And so she's on top of her dad, like, dad, it's the first of the month. We need to count my money so you can pay me interest. <laughs> so she has learned that she can do nothing except just not spend and she will gain more money. So that's, she's path of least resistance, right? She's like, what can I do to make money without having to do anything? Well, don't spend and you make more. And that also trains them to not just have money in their spending that they want to buy toys or candy with but that there's an incentive for them to save longer term. What are some of the things you've come across in dealing with teenagers? That's a good question. You know, one of the things that's hard is we are in this culture of immediate gratification. Oh, unfortunately, very much so. And we can spend within like two clicks, right? Two clicks on an iPhone and you can spend things. Yep. Amazon is deadly. (laughs) Yeah, for me too. Oh gosh, I, you know, went through and got three university degrees with zero debt. And so I, you know, have a really um, clear path in terms of where I want my money to go and I want to spend it well the first time and not have a whole bunch of credit card debt. But yeah, it is so easy to sit on your phone and, you know, do some shopping and click, click, click. And it seems like there are zero consequences. So back to your question about teenagers. One of the things about young people is if they haven't had an experience of something, it is very difficult for them to have an understanding of it. So if our children haven't had an experience of being able to like having to earn money and know how many hours they had to work to get that money, they have a skewed idea about what things cost if their parents can afford it for them. And so one of the things that they can learn is, what the cost of things are and what that might mean in terms of their costs, their time, their effort, having to miss out on fun social things so they have a job. Um, and that's what we get to teach them. You know, I have worked with one client who um, I would describe her as have a trust fund baby. You know, mm. she has a trust fund and she has grown up with an understanding of, you know, whatever you need within reason, we'll pay for it. And within reason means something to her as an adult because she's been through life and purchased a home and purchased cars and understands that things wear out and you have to replace them. But her son has zero understanding of what within reason means because now he's the third generation in their family of having a trust fund. And it's like, I don't know what within reason means. Yeah, they, they have they have very different definitions. Right. And how could he? Because he hasn't had a job and he's been you know, given what he gets. And so he doesn't really have that connection between what the cost is, what the price of an item is and what the cost might be in terms of how he spends his time and energy. And I think that limits our ability to be discerning because sometimes we have to make a choice. Am I going to get a new car or I'm going to, am I going to ride the bus and go to Paris? You know, especially as young adults, we have those choices to make. And that's the time when we're offered credit cards. Off to college, you get this credit card and it's like, oh, I can buy all this stuff. And it's like, did you think through how you're going to pay for it and when and how much you actually are paying for all of those items years and years down the road? And so if, you know, that's the first time kids are aware of budgeting and money, we are doing them a disservice because it 
seems like, oh, there's no consequences. I can just rack up all this debt and get all this stuff. Well, the problem is, is the gratification is instantaneous. The consequences are delayed. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And and when people feel like their self-worth is wrapped up in having a name brand handbag or wearing the latest trend, that can be really damaging when kids get to a point where they're out of the house, they're earning their own money, and the quality of their life is lower than it was in their parents' house. You know, my mom and dad grew up in small towns in southern Alberta, and when they got a job and left home, their quality of life went up because they got off the farm and were no, you know, and were making their own money and only had to pay for what they needed. So their quality of life increased. Now, typically, when children from middle class homes go out to their first jobs, their quality of life decreases in terms of what they can afford, the kinds of food they can afford, the clothes they can afford. And that can be a real hit to their self-esteem if they believe that they are the clothes they wear or they are the lifestyle that they live. And so the questions there are, what can we do as parents to help our children understand the value of money and who they really are? and what they're made of, and understand their worth as uh, a person, not the value of the clothes that they wear. Yeah, not as a person, not just as a consumer. Absolutely. And and yeah, that, that's a huge part of it, because we want to spoil our kids and, and things like that, and be able to uh, give them the things we weren't able to have. But even when we don't spoil them, the cost of living, like everything is so much more now than even when you and I got out of school. Costs have gone up, but the wages haven't. So they can still be being good and working hard in that, but they don't have the same purchasing power because inflation has killed them and their wages haven't gone up to keep up with it. That's right. And I love that you said, you know, who they are as a consumer and that phrase purchasing power. Just yesterday, I was on my phone looking at, you know, things to buy my clothes to buy my kids because they're always growing. So I always know they'll need the next size up. Right. Yep. <laughs> and I, and I was thinking about that phrase purchasing power because it does feel powerful to choose the very thing that's perfect, that reflects your own individual style. And it's so you that feels powerful to be able, it's like the hunting and gathering instinct or something. It's like, I can go out and get this thing and I can have it. And that, feeling that we have and that emotional pull can be very strong. And so if we're not aware of that and we aren't savvy to how that's operating in our lives, what happened when I was shopping, you know, feeling so good, I can buy these really awesome things. And then I realized I was on an American site and I was going to have to pay all the shipping. And I was like, ah, and exchange. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, so I totally vacated my checkout and I realized I was so attached to those cute shirts. I was going to buy my kids, mm -hmm. but I ditched that checkout and then went over to the Canadian side of the company so I could purchase in Canada. And I had to make some new choices. Yeah. And just that experience was like, Deanne, you got totally sucked into feeling powerful mm -hmm. and attaching yourself to like, these clothes are who we are. And then having to do it all over again, I was like, yep, I was a lot more selective the second time. So even as a savvy adult, we can be pulled into these experiences if we're not aware of how that experience is operating on us and how we get pulled in emotionally. Yeah. And our society is set up to do exactly that. Our society, like all the media, everything is to make us 
consumers. Consume, consume, consume. And like you said, even as savvy adults, we get sucked into it and we know what we're doing. Yes. So we we have to be really, really careful when we're working with our kids to make them aware of that because yeah, it, it is really easy to get sucked into it and just, oh, oh, well, it's cheap, but it's on sale. And then you're right. You have to add on the shipping and handling. You have to the exchange. And then really, is it something that you really want or just something that look pretty on the screen? That's right. And when so much of our um, monetary exchange is digital, it's just numbers, right? Yeah, it's invisible. Yeah, it's invisible. That's exactly right. And little people, younger people need really concrete, tangible things. So having kids like lately in the last year or so, I've given my son cash. And when we're going like, say we're going in the summer to buy a Slurpee or something, I'll give him cash. And so he has that process of having the cash. Do I have enough giving it to the teller? Like how much change do I get back and thinking that all through? Because living through the emotions of that experience are training him about money and how to understand it and how to handle it. So to to wrap up, if you could make sure that your kids learn three lessons about money so that you feel that you have taught them what really, really matters, what are the three lessons you want your kids to learn? Hmm. That money is available to them always. And what I mean by that is that they can find a job or become an entrepreneur, make themselves some work, but that sometimes we feel like there's no money anywhere for anything. And when they realize that money is kind of an exchange of our time and energy and they can create and find money and make money and find a job that they will feel powerful because they know how to meet their, their needs by being able to buy food or buy clothing. So knowing that money is available to them and knowing how they can access money and make money is important. Also knowing how to save money so that they have, you know, that if they need to make a big purchase or if they have an emergency, they have something they can rely on. And also understanding the power of time and investing that it isn't just immediately what you want. It's really discerning what you need and what you might need over a longer term than just what's in front of you looking really glittery right now. Well, those are wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. It was great having you on the show. Thank you, Tammy. I'm so grateful to be here with you. All right. Have a wonderful day. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fun, and Instagram at financial.fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfun.ca.